There's a lot of reasons why these stories seem to happen a lot in college football and college basketball. I want to go into that. I also want to go into how Urban Meyer reminds me of everything that's happened with the Houston Astros. Because the addiction to winning is so great. And when I can paint you a picture, very easy picture, of Urban Meyer being just an incredibly good and righteous individual. And then I can show you the other side. And the dark side comes from you are addicted to winning. So I want to talk about that. Um, the Jays lose. We're not going to get much into the actual games. Uh, they lose 8-3 to Oakland. Stroman was bad. Not as bad as it may seem. A couple of those runs were after he had left the game. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of hard hit balls by Oakland. But Oakland sweeps the Jays. They're lousy. Vlad Guerrero Jr. gets his first hit with the Buffalo Bisons. Steve Phillips yesterday, again, I want to limit Vladimir Guerrero. I don't want to bring him up. Those are the words of a general manager where it's all about control. Um, There's also William Nylander. In fact, we'll play it really quickly for you um, because I want to start, though, with the Argonauts. And then in about 10 minutes' time, we're going to be having from ESPN, uh, we're going to be talking about Urban Meyer. And we're going to be talking with Adam Rittenberg from ESPN, who's a national college football writer. But before I get my Argos thoughts, here is William Nylander saying the magic words. Oh, I mean, of course I want long-term. That's um, what I'd want to do. So that's, uh, But we'll take it uh, slow, day by day, and uh, see what happens. Oh, he said the magic words long-term. If you're a general manager, if you're any part of the Maple Leafs, you love, mag- you love those words. You love long-term. Because long-term means conservative. Long-term means, eh, I'm not really going to bet on myself too much. I want security. And I'm not condemning Nylander for it. I don't condemn anyone for it. If you can get eight years, somewhere in the six to seven million range, you take it. Because you never know. Injuries happen. They happen all the time. But if you are a Leaf fan, you love that. Because long-term means manageable. Long-term means conservative thinking by the player and the agent. Compare that with the NBA, where players are not conservative. They take two, three-year deals. They push themselves out from one market to another. They're constantly going for as much money as they can, which is totally cool. But in a salary cap sport, that can stink, especially when you got a guy as young and as talented as William Nylander. But I want to start with the Argonauts. Argonauts are taking on the Ottawa Red Blacks tonight. A game you can listen to right here on TSN 1050. A game you can go down to. BMO Field, Ottawa, the best team in the East right now versus Toronto. And as Rod Smith was trying to say earlier in the show on Landsberg in the morning, hey! It's a rematch of the last two Grey Cup winners. A rematch of the two teams that somehow found a way to beat the Calgary Stampeders, who are already 14-0, which is remarkable because we're only in Week 8. I didn't get into sports because of my ability to do math. But if we want to give the Argonauts the respect they deserve, that means we have to treat them like we would any other franchise. Because I find too often we don't really dive into the issues, the traditional issues, when it comes to the CFL. We just treat it as his other league. But it needs to be said, um, tonight the quarterback for the Argonauts is not the guy they brought in, not the big prize acquisition, James Franklin. It is the backup, a guy that no one had really heard of, McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Now I'm going to tell you right now, I'm rooting for MBT for this reason. I love this quote from him. 
He said, I've been cut 11 or 12 times from NFL teams, signed and cut. It takes a level of insanity and obsession to keep at it. I think I'm insane enough to still be here. I love that quote. That's a great quote. But the fact that McLeod Bethel Thompson is going to start tonight for the Argonauts against Ottawa represents a failure by coach Mark Tressman and failure by Jim Pop. Now, things can still turn around. It's still young. But let's think about this for a second. I was listening yesterday to Three Downs with Ron Lodge and Dave Naylor. And what were they talking about? Nope, James Franklin doesn't really fit into Mark Tressman's system. Tressman is more of a West Coast offense, quick pass, quick pass, quick pass. Just get the ball, get it out there, allow the receiver, the running back, to turn up field and make a play. We saw that last year. They won the Great Cup. Ricky Ray, short pass master. James Franklin, more of a downfield guy. He likes to take chances. He doesn't want to throw a three-yard pass to Declan Cross. He wants to go deep. Well, isn't it up to the coach? to tailor his offense around his quarterback? Isn't that what we say about great coaches? Doesn't matter who the quarterback is, we're going to make him successful. Oh, Bill Belichick. 2008, Tom Brady out, doesn't matter. 11-5, Matt Castle. This, you know, uh, Tom Brady suspended four games for deflating balls, doesn't matter, going to go 3-1. We're going to beat a really good Arizona team on the road. We're going to do it with backups and guys you haven't heard of and rookies. Why? We can change the offense around. We can do some things here or there. Well, that's not happening. That's not happening with the quarterback of the Argonauts. Now, for people who don't know, before he got here, James Franklin got a bunch of starts with the Edmonton Eskimos over a couple years. James Franklin, 12 touchdowns, one interception. With the Argonauts, two touchdowns, six interceptions. Slightly higher completion percentage with Edmonton. A better-looking quarterback. A more confident quarterback. A winning quarterback. Sorry, some of that goes on the coach. Now, some of it goes on the quarterback. Quarterback also has to be able to adjust his game to the system. And then also, what about Jim Pop? You know, you hear that um, that that um, the quarterback that you're going to see tonight, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, oh, that's, that's a Tressman guy. That's the guy Tressman wanted. Tressman never wanted James Franklin. Well, that's true. Why was Franklin brought in? That goes on Jim Pop. That goes on communication. I'm sorry. Um, the fact that Franklin has been benched, and part of it's on him and his production, this represents... A failure by the head coach and the general manager who are both incredibly successful, smart people. Doesn't mean they can't make mistakes. And listen, Tressman, he's always had the great quarterback. Montreal did plenty of winning with Anthony Calville before Tressman got here. The six years before Mark Tressman, Montreal, 68-40. and 40. Won a great cup. Tressman left one year before Calville did. That is good timing. And again, for Jim Pop, it's a beat on the same page, giving your coach the weapons he needs. And of course, this also goes beyond just the quarterback. Goes on the defense has been horrible. Uh, they're one of the worst tackling teams right now in the CFL. Defense not playing well puts more pressure on the offense of the quarterback. James Wilder, only twice this year in six games, did he have, has he had over combined 100 yards rushing and receiving. Last year, six of his eight games that he started down the stretch, over 100 combined yards. This year, he's averaging 3.6 yards per carry. Last year, 5.8. So it falls more on the quarterback. But listen, in any other league, 
when the guy you brought in to be the succession plan for Ricky Ray, and that guy is given you know four games, whatever, and he doesn't look good, and then he's suddenly benched, yeah, part of that, part of that is on the quarterback. Hey, everyone's got to be accountable. But part of it's on the coach. So we'll get into this more later in the show. Because I can't, like, today, tonight's game is going to be really fascinating. And partially because we know Johnny Manziel is playing tomorrow. So, you know, the optics of what does McLeod Bethel Thompson look tonight? If he looks great, massive win for Mark Tressman. I look like a fool. And massive win for Tressman and the Argonauts. But if he looks bad, Tressman, pop, you got to own that. And then if Manziel plays well tomorrow, then I don't think he's going to. But if Manziel plays well tomorrow against Hamilton, well, the optics just continue to get worse. Just remember this for Johnny Manziel. Montreal, 1-16 in their last 17 games, scoring the fewest points in the CFL. And now you're expecting Johnny Manziel to be the savior. But to me, the, the biggest and most interesting story from so many different angles is what's going on with Ohio State. With Urban Meyer... And Urban Meyer's one of those names, even if you're not the biggest college football fan, you know the name. It's Urban Meyer, it's Nick Saban. Those are the two biggest names. Urban Meyer winning about 83% of his games. Urban Meyer, like 11-2 and two in bowl games. And now he's been placed on administrative leave by Ohio State because did he, what information did he know about one of his coaches, his receiver's coach, uh, back a couple of years ago in terms of domestic abuse between the receiver's coach and his wife? Joining us now to talk about what is going on, Adam Rittenberg from ESPN has been covering it. He's a national college football writer. Adam, I know you've got an incredibly busy day. Thank you for taking time for joining us. Oh, you bet. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and, and by the way, at any point, if you, you know, if you want to get into what you think the Alouettes need to do to beat the Ticats tonight, please feel free to weigh in at any point. Is that where Johnny Football is? That's that where, yeah, that's, that's where Texas and A&M star Johnny Menzel is right now. Um, just repeat, if you, want to, if you could catch people up about exactly why it is that Urban Meyer has been placed on administrative leave by Ohio State. Sure. Well, well last week, uh, Ohio State fired receivers coach Zach Smith after uh, reports from uh, my former colleague Brett McMurphy uh, about several domestic issues that he'd had with his uh, now ex-wife, Courtney, came to light. Um, Urban Meyer at Big Ten Media Days last week, was uh, he admitted that he knew of a 2009 incident when they were both at the University of Florida and that he tried to counsel Zach Smith and his then-wife. Um, him, him and his wife, Shelly, were reaching out to them and pointing them towards counseling and so forth. But that he was very forceful, Urban was, in his denials of an incident in 2015 um, that resulted in a arrest but no charges for Zach Smith for uh, felony domestic violence, um, a case uh, in, in Ohio when Zach was coaching for Urban at Ohio State. And so then what came out um, yesterday, again from Brett McMurphy, was a, um, uh, you know, a, a story with a ton of details, text messages, photos, and an interview with Zach Smith's ex-wife uh, where she, you know, hinted strongly that Urban Meyer did know about the 2015 incident and say that Urban Meyer's, Urban, Urban Meyer's wife and the wives of many of the Ohio State coaches and staff members knew about it because she texted them about it and, and showed them pictures of bruises and, and the abuse that she suffered back in 2015. And so in light of that report, um, last night Ohio State uh, released a statement saying that Urban Meyer is on administrative leave as it investigates 
these uh, new allegations. Ryan Day, who's the offensive coordinator, is the acting head coach. Uh, Ohio State opens preseason training camp tomorrow on Friday, and we'll see how uh, how long this investigative process takes before they reach a resolution, which I think is probably one of two things. Either Urban Meyer is out as Ohio State coach, or um, there's maybe further disciplinary action, but he uh, is able to keep his job with the Buckeyes. And what's working against him is this story came out yesterday, August 1st. It is a very light time in sports, which allows for every media source to go down to Columbus and to dig through this story. And I mean, if the NCAA finds out when an assistant coach pays for an recruit's lunch, you know, and then that's a violation of the NCAA rules, um, it just feels like this. If ever there was a time where you didn't want this to happen, if you are a fan of Urban Meyer, it's today. Well, sure. I mean, no, this isn't an NCAA issue, so that's not the. the but the, but it is uh, a potential employment uh, issue because. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are requirements uh, of every Ohio State employee, especially those in a supervisory role, as Urban Meyer is in, um, to uh, report um, you know, any, any issues involving your employees. Now, what we're trying to clarify, and had a very difficult time doing this, and made multiple calls to Ohio State's Title IX office, is whether Urban Meyer is responsible for reporting um, these uh, domestic violence allegations against Zach Smith. Now, Zach Smith was an employee of the university, but his wife was not. And she may not be uh, under that umbrella of you have to report this because it's in your contract, and if you don't, you can be uh, fired with cause. So we're still looking into that, but there's certainly you know, an immoral, immoral obligation that if Urban Meyer, in fact, did know about these 2015 allegations, why did he keep Zach Smith on the staff, especially when you already knew about what happened in 2009 when he was alleged to have uh, pushed his uh, then pregnant wife up against the wall and uh, a pretty ugly situation when they were all in Gainesville, Florida. So um, I think that denial, yeah. uh, which which he might have to walk back, is the thing that could really get him uh, ultimately terminated at Ohio State. But that's what they're all looking into right now. National College football writer for the ESPN, Adam Rittenberg, joining us here on TSN 1050. All right, let's get into the murky business of morality. What do you think is more powerful? Because in sports in North America, there's almost nothing more powerful than the head coach of a big football program. And part of it is because they're in more rural areas. Penn State, Florida State, Florida, Ohio State, Nebraska, Michigan. I mean, we can go up and down. Um, So there is a lot of power that a coach can have versus the morality conversation, which... Let's, you know, it's a very different place now than it was a couple of years ago because of Me Too, because of necessary um, just adjustments on how we view issues of domestic abuse. What do you think is more powerful, Urban Meyer or the morality conversation? Right. Well, I think I think it certainly changed after the events of last summer. Um, and, you know, again, Urban Meyer had a contract extension this uh, spring that some language was added into you know, regarding Title IX, and at least in the college football world, I call that the Art Briles Clause, Oof. what happened at Baylor. And by and, the way, you know, it, not supporting it, information. Yeah, so. and for people who don't know, Art Briles, um, you know, knew about abuse that was going on at his school and did nothing about it. Right. Now, yeah. one of the ugliest situations I think we've ever seen involving um, at least a football coach and his program in the college level. So, yeah, no, I mean, it's a huge part of this. Now, the one thing that, you know, again, uh, even Courtney Smith, you know, couldn't confirm is that Urban Meyer did know about the 2015 abuse. She Which is important. That's very important. Regularly, yeah, she, she communicated regularly with Shelly Meyer, who's Urban's wife of nearly 30 years, who also is an Ohio State employee, by the way, in the School of Nursing, 
but could not confirm that Shelley Meyer told Urban Meyer of what the, of, of, of those conversations about what happened in 2015. So there is a bit of uh, deniability there, possibly, but it's just hard to believe that there wasn't some communication, especially given the history of this couple, which from everything that I've known, I just spoke to the police chief of the town that they lived in. And this is a volatile relationship. This is a situation that police were called out often to their residents in the last, you know, three, four years because of, um, you know, possible threats or, or somebody did this or that. And they called the police. So um, it's not as though the, uh, the, the that uh, when when all this came to light, I guess it would be a big surprise to anybody in the in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, the Ohio State Football Building. What is the mood like right now, just in Columbus? Well, I'm not there, but you know, from talking to my colleagues who are, yeah. you know, it, it's pretty quiet. I mean, there, you know, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of people on campus. Now the the football team you know is is there and they're going to practice tomorrow. Um, Ryan Day will be leading uh, the uh, the team as the acting head coach. But uh, you know it's 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 not as though it's the middle of school and it's it's bustling and I'm, I'm sure there's a ton of tension just around. I mean you know you could go to Columbus. Uh, it's a, it's a great place to do anything on a Saturday because everybody's watching Ohio State or at the horseshoe for a game. So if you want to do your groceries or go to the zoo or whatever, <laughs> do it on Saturday because the whole town revolves around Ohio State and really the Ohio State football program. So this is a huge, huge deal in that city. Okay. You know what? That's that's interesting. And you're, and you're right about how everything revolves around the football program. I remember hearing a stat that during a Nebraska Cornhuskers home game, the stadium you know became the second largest city in the entire state. Um, in all your time covering sports, I mean, do college football coaches have too much power? And not just about, you know, who's going to play on Saturday, but just in terms of a bigger, more geographical, regional thing where these schools are in rural areas, and it seems to me that, and I'm not even saying this is a negative, but I could see how it would be, that they just wield so much more power than it seems any other coach in any other sport. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a couple factors. I mean, certainly the geography of where they're located plays into it. I think the emotional attachment people have to their colleges and their college teams, even those who didn't go there, is different in many ways than they have to their pro teams. Like pro sports fans are much more comfortable with coaches getting fired or coaches being criticized yeah. in college sports College sports fans want to win, but the almost important uh, as winning is feeling good about your program and sort of the morale, uh, the morality part of the program. So I, I get I, the longer that I've done this, I've become more jaded. I look at these coaches as guys who are really competitive, who are good at coaching football and want to win. I don't buy into, at least for most of them, the molding of men and the, you know, the, the character building and all those things. I, I think there's some nice programs in place, but I, I don't view them as, 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 as holier than now in that respect. I think that's a mistake that's made with a lot of college football fans and, quite frankly, some college football media. Urban Meyer, and I'm going to talk about and Adam Rittenberg's joining us, college football writer for ESPN. You know, when you look at the two sides, there's the all the work he's done for cancer research with his charity. He's been honored by Obama. Um, two days ago, Bob Evans Restaurant, and for people in Canada who don't know, Bob Evans is a huge restaurant chain. They signed him to be the star of their fall advertising campaign. He was going to be called the first head best breakfast coach Excuse me, of Bob Evans. And then there's the other side where during his six years in Florida, 31 players were arrested. And 
you know, it, with these coaches, just to add to your point, um, Adam, is that for all the good that they do, when it comes to winning, it seems like morality just does not matter. Well, right, and I would say this. I think this is one of the ironies of this situation, is that yeah, Urban had a very troubling run of off-field problems at the University of Florida, which were a concern to Ohio State when they hired him back in 2011. You had Aaron Hernandez and some other things that went on at Florida. Um, uh, but his, his player conduct at Ohio State has been really good overall. Yep. A program of, of that ilk where there's so much attention and these players come in with, with, uh, with hype and, and uh, you know, in many ways and inflated egos and all that. So you know, they, they, had, they had a bad incident with Carlos Hyde back in 2013. But other than that, you get the occasional DUI, which pretty much happens with every program. They were very good off the field in conduct. So it's interesting to me and a bit ironic that if this does bring him down, it's an assistant coach and not handling that coach's behavior off the field when you had knowledge of it possibly that, that ultimately could bring Urban Meyer down, not uh, additional player off field. Because he had done a nice job uh, you know, in terms of um, programming and uh, uh, really fostering a, an environment there where you didn't have a lot of embarrassing situations yeah. or violent situations off the field with players. Oh, abs- absolutely. You know, after just... Shady times in Gainesville, Florida. It has been very different for the most part, as you say. Um, Adam, I'll let you go because I know you're super busy. Um, I'll just leave you. And Man, it's easier to do prediction radio when it's, hey, do you think Ohio State covers against Michigan? But do you think, um, do you think Urban survives this? Yeah, I've heard different people in the industry today, you know, on, on, on both sides. I mean, paid administrative leave is almost always a precursor to firing, but... Uh, this is a unique situation where I think a lot more people need to be talked to and to find out what did you know, when did you know it, uh, what did you do, what did you not do. Uh, and so I think there has to be that process that takes place here. And, you know, may- maybe because there's not direct proof that Urban Meyer knew of the 2015 incident, unless he does admit to his bosses that he lied to the media and maybe lied to them about it initially last week, Unless that proof comes to mind, maybe there is a way he can return, but it's going to be very difficult because of the environment, as you mentioned, and all the criticism that that's the school and he is taking right now. Hey, Adam, really appreciate you taking time and just illuminating on the story and giving it the perspective it needs. Really appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Adam Rittenberg, ESPN National College Football Insider. You can follow him on Twitter at ESPN Rittenberg. By the way, um, one sort of side story to all of this. And nothing to do with Urban Meyer, and nothing to do with uh, college football or the power or the addiction that comes with winning. This is also a journalism story. Brett McMurphy, this was a guy that was laid off a little over a year ago by ESPN. And he was the one who broke this story. And Brett actually tweeted out, weird times, I've been on SportsCenter more today than my previous five years at ESPN. But Michael David Smith, who writes for ProFootballTalk.com, really succinctly just looked at, the, uh, you know, uh, looked at how this story came about. And he said that Brett inspires the hell out of me. Laid off by ESPN, he does exhausting amount of research on the Urban Meyer story all on his own and breaks the story on his Facebook page. If that doesn't tell you just how different the media and journalism landscape is in 2018. Because these sort of stories, they take time, they take money. But they also take 
you need to have somewhere to get the story out there. You need a platform. And you feel like, oh, I've just been released, laid off by ESPN, the largest new sports news media outlet in North America. And now the biggest story in the United States was because of this guy and his Facebook page. Not ESPN, not Fox, not CBS, NBC. You know, not even affiliated with, say, a pro football talk. Or, you know, another major barstool sports or anything like that. It was from his Facebook page. It is the lead story everywhere in the United States. Because this could be the takedown of one of the most powerful men in sports in North America. And as Adam said, we still have to wait. More information is needed from the now ex-wife of the receiver's coach. More information from Urban Meyer's wife. Did she tell Urban anything? How was this kept away from him? Personally, I find it hard that, that Urban didn't know. But we'll get into that later. But just a shout-out to Brett McMurphy, because this is a hell of a story that he broke on his Facebook page. Coming up, we get into William Nylander, who said the magical words that we've all been wanting to hear Um Vlad Guerrero Jr., if you haven't heard it, will play you his big moment yesterday with the Buffalo Bisons. And then a little bit later, it is a really fun Sound Wars that's coming up in about 20 minutes' time. I'm Matthew Cause. This is Toronto Today, right here on TSN 1050. I think it's still a gorgeous Thursday. We have uh, no windows here. I was outside a little while ago, but I've been inside prepping. And it seemed like a gorgeous day. CP24, it's giving me that cloud over the sun sort of... uh, you know, non-committal indicator of the weather, but hope it's a gorgeous day today. I wonder how many people right now listening, how many of y'all are driving to the cottage? You took Friday off, and, you know, I was like, nope, I'm going to go work early on Thursday, and we're getting out of here super quick. And I hope you are. I hope the roads are good. Get up to wherever you're going to be. Get that long weekend in. Fully fully endorsed. Chris Schultz is going to join us in the 12 o'clock hour. Argonauts Radio Color Voice and of course CF- TSN CFL Analyst. He'll join us around 1220. Before we get into William Nylander though, uh, Johnny Manziel does a podcast on uh, bar on bar, Barstool Sports. I always screw up that name. Uh, Producer Joe, what's the, what's the podcast? It's the Comeback Season, S-Z-N. It's his brand, (laughs) Comeback Season. So he just, he hates vowels, is basically what you're saying about Johnny Manziel, if season is S-Z-N. I mean, basically, if he was on Wheel of Fortune, you know, A, he would never buy a vowel, B, at the end, you know, when they give you some of the vowels, he's like, put those vowels away, I don't even need them. He hates vowels probably as much as he hates a quiet night at home on yeah. a Saturday. Yeah, like the two things he hates, the letter E and the lack of E. Ah! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and that, of course, unsubstantiated character attack by me. But anyway, uh, Johnny Menzel, what did uh, he have to say on this podcast? He will be making his first start in the CFL. Hell, his first start in years tomorrow against the Hamilton Ticats. And a reminder, um, if Johnny Manziel doesn't do well, it 
Could be because of him, and it could be because he's only had about a week and a half of practice. Montreal won in 16 in their last 17 games, and no team scores fewer points than Montreal. Good luck with that, Johnny. But what did Mansell say there, Joe? Well, while speaking to El Presidente, David Portnoy of Barstool Sports, he said, I'm going to go out and let it rip. I am going to throw the crap out of the ball. Mm-hmm. There is no doubt about that. Also, you like that? You like that? He does. And he didn't use the word crap. Mm. That's a great quote. Uh, listen, it's a great quote. I hope he does. You know, I mean, on the one level, uh, I think everyone roots for that whatever he did in the past, because I believe all the issues with him with domestic abuse, everything was either thrown out or settled. And I hate to do the reckless speculation. But what you hope on one level is that there's a, a legitimate positive resolution and that he is a changed man and that anyone that he may have hurt has been able to move on. And that's on the one level. On the football level, on just our sports selfish side, I mean, man, I think everyone is beyond the backup quarterback now, Montreal, Vernon Adams Jr., I think everyone is rooting for him to succeed. It'd be fun. But that's the thing, CFL, it's more passing. There's only nine teams. When you lose a couple quarterbacks, you feel it more in this league than even you do in the NFL. And the NFL right now also could use an injection of about four or five more exciting quarterbacks. So Johnny Manziel says he is going to throw the bleep out of the ball. Well, we'll find out tomorrow night just what the hell that will look like. Um, William Nylander yesterday at SmashFest some point. The the great charity uh, that was started about six, seven years ago by Dominic Moore. The charity that usually finds a way to destroy some of the morning show producers year in and year out. Because they go to the event, you have a blast, then you got to wake up at 4 o'clock, 4.30 the next morning. That is, uh, that's a difficult one. But William Nylander was asked about his contract. Well, what's going on? I mean, we heard before, you know, things are going slow. That's the way Kyle Dubas wants it, just going slow. Great, that's fine. All right, William, what's the latest, buddy? Uh, I mean, of course, I want long term. That's um, what I'd want to do. So that's. Uh, but we'll take it uh, slow, day by day, and uh, see what happens. That is magical, magical words. When he says, "Obviously, I want a long term deal," because let's think of the alternative. He's a talented guy. I know everyone says he's not, you know, Pasternak, and I get it. What we saw late in the year, Pasternak dominated the Leafs in the playoffs, and William Nylander didn't do very much. But Nylander's very close. Like, if you look at the comparables between those gentlemen, in terms of points per game, you know, for the first 160, 180 games of the, to start their career, they're very close. And everyone knows how talented William Nylander is. I always remind everyone, first game of his career, Austin Matthews has four goals. William Nylander was Rookie of the Month. wasn't Matthews. The worst thing you want to hear, I think, is my opinion, is Nylander being comfortable. Actually, Nylander pushing for a bridge deal. Nylander, in essence, betting on himself, taking less money for the next, next year or two, and betting on his 21, 22-year-old self to start putting up more numbers Playing 82 games with Austin Matthews, he'll be getting more ice time, and it's very simple math. You're on the ice more, you accumulate more points. That may be my Captain Obvious moment for the show. 
So if that happens and he bets on himself, he could get even more money per year. You know, again, it's a risk. Got to stay healthy. Got to play well. Judging by what I've seen, I think he's going to play well. Health, you never know. But he's been a healthy guy so far. But what's he saying? He doesn't want to bet on himself. And again, this is not an attack. This is not comment on him. What is he looking for? He's looking for security. That makes sense. Every one of us out there is looking for security. How many of you driving in your car, listening at work? How many of you have an eight-year contract? And I'm not talking about the people that hate their jobs and don't care if they leave or they're looking to leave. Imagine you love your job. Imagine if you love your job and you can get paid you can get paid well. And you'll have a guarantee of it for seven, eight years. How many of us would jump at it? I would. Someone said, right now, Matt, you could do this show. You could do this show, or you could work with Landsberg, whatever, for the next eight years. I'd jump on it. I love this job. I love being in radio. I love talking. I love, you know, coming up with the conversations, trying to find ways to make it interesting. So I get what Nylander's doing. But by Nylander choosing this, this route, this is the conservative route. And the conservative route usually means a little bit less money. Because betting on yourself, that's chaos. But when the risk pays off, you take a higher risk, what happens? Higher risk, higher reward. Taking the long-term deal, that's less risk. With less risk comes, ding, 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 less reward. The reward is the safety, the security. It's not necessarily as much the average salary. So for people that aren't huge Nylander fans... You don't want a long-term deal. You want bridge. You want to say, nope, prove it, prove it, prove it. And I get it. Sports is all about meritocracy. Me, I look at the other way. Sign him up. Get him seven, eight years. Then get that down with Marner and Matthews. End the chaos. And there's still plenty of time. Dog is second. There's plenty of time for Dubis and Brandon Pridham, the cap expert, and Shanahan to get it done. But let me hear that one more time. I want to hear those magic words from William Nylander. It's not, ah, I want to play a year or two and then see where I am. Nope, nope, nope. That's not what he said. Uh, I mean, of course, I want long term. That's um, what I'd want to do. So that's, uh, but we'll take it uh, slow, day by day, and uh, see what happens. And hopefully, what happens is a seven, eight year deal. Early to mid-sixes would be fantastic. Uh, coming up on the other side, we have got a fantastic. Sound Wars for you. Oh, it's the Jerry Conference. Everyone likes the Jerry Conference. That is coming up next. Plus, we've got Chris Schultz going to join us. Uh, we'll play you the glorious first hit for Vlad Guerrero Jr. And producer Joe has his mystery topic du jour. And I've just taken a look at it. And it involves loser fans from the Islanders. That's coming up next here on TSN 1050. You're listening to Toronto Today. Jennifer Aniston would jump at the opportunity to revive hit sitcom Friends with Courtney Cox and Lisa Kudrow because it's the greatest job she ever had. That from a Toronto Sun story. Unfortunately, Matt LeBlanc, who played Joey, said flat out, nope, don't want to play the dim-witted character anymore. I have moved on. This is Toronto Today, TSN 1050. I don't know if the guys from the morning show have heard this, 
But that would be a good draft. Every Friday on Landsberg in the morning, they do the draft. Um, old sitcoms you would like to see revived. Oh, I'm I, I'm so scared to do this because the guys behind the glass, I think their average age is 23, but I'm going to take a, a shot at this before we get to Sound Wars. First, technical producer JP, what is a show you would like to see get revived? Are we saying just sitcoms or shows in general? We'll go shows in general, but if, if you pick something that, that just went off the air like last year, I, I'm not taking Breaking Bad, and I no, love no, no, Breaking I'm, Bad. Not Breaking Bad. I was going to, uh, my first instinct immediately went to Futurama. Okay, Futurama? Uh, that, to me, that like my some of my best friends absolutely love that. I will binge that any day of the week. All right, I'd all right. Love to see that back. All right, Futurama, that's a good pick. By the way, Tristan Fitzpatrick, get ready to get on the mic with this one. Um, Producer Joe, what is a sitcom you would like to see revived? And then there was silence, and okay, this, is why, this is why, this is why, why do I throw it to you? You do a lot of good stuff. This is not one of them. I would say the one sitcom that I would like to see come back mm-hmm. would actually be Friends, because that was kind of the sitcom of my generation when I was younger, mm-hmm. but the one show... To flip it on you, the one show I would love to see stop, and it's my favorite show hands down, is The Simpsons. It needs to end. So if I could get one to start and one to stop, that's what I would take. But I would love to see Friends come back. All right, my only pushback to you there is that every now and then, Simpsons still does a good episode. And if it's bad, then you, you turn it off. But it's still, there's still good moments. But yes, it doesn't compare to, you know, the glory days from like 10 years ago or so. Um, Tristan Fitzpatrick, what do you think about this? Have you guys got a draft idea yet for tomorrow? Uh, we have a rough one where we're going to go TSN celebrities for a ball hockey or ice hockey team. We've done the TSN personalities one so many times. It came up organically, though. I know it did. I know, because the tournament's going on. you got to yeah. get Carlo involved. What's one sitcom you would like to see? Uh, easy Money, Futurama. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I did not expect two Futuramas when yeah. I threw that question out. Yeah, that's, that's, it's easy. It's good. you got to go Futurama. It was good when it ended. It was good when they ended the first time. It was good when they ended the second time. To Joe's point, like The Simpsons kind of is seeming to run out of ideas a little bit, but what you do after like whatever twenty five yeah, plus it's years, comedy is hard. But Futurama, they didn't really run out of ideas, and because they're in space and they have that kind of mm-hmm. th- their playground is much bigger than a family of four, five, whatever it is. I'm gonna go with Cheers. Um, Ted Danson. I was just gonna say Ted Danson still doing good work. Um, you could bring back Kirstie Alley, Woody Harrelson, like John Ratzenberger, George Wayne, like so much of the cast is Rhea Perlman. Still Still around, still acting, so I'm going to go cheers. And Boston has changed from when it was before. The, you have like a good Red Sox team, so you don't have like the same kind of storylines like around like baseball there. Yeah. The city's so different. It'd be so cool to see. Tom Brady comes in like that. Like one, oh, the season finale. But for Gronk is, is the Br- new norm. Oh. Like Gronk is always, it's like Gronk. It's like, hey guys. Joe Narsa, you've totally redeemed yourself for your horrible answer before. Oh my God. Because Gronk would be the norm of the coolest bar in Boston. Okay, now here's what we got to do. God, I don't know. We got to get to Sound Wars. Um, Recast Cheers with all people in the world of sports. I was just thinking the exact same thing. I was waiting for that. Yeah, like who? Oh, my God. I mean, Mayday Malone could actually be Jimmy Garoppolo. Young guy, you know, dates around. Anyway, okay, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Everyone calm down. 
Calm down, everybody. Time now for Sound Wars. The greatest moments in history are now up to you. This is TSN 1050's Sound Wars. Danica Patrick in the Kirstie Alley role. She was great hosting the ESPYs. Danica Patrick. In fact, you could you could have Aaron Rodgers. But then are they playing themselves or are they playing Diane and Sam? Like, it feels like Gronk has got to stay as, okay, we'll get into this more. It is time now for Sound Wars. You know all about it. You go to tsm1050.ca. You click on Sound Wars. You vote on your favorite. We've been doing it for about the last month. It is all the best sound from this past year in the world of sports. And it's time now for a conference championship sound wars no uh no more sweet 16 this battle gets real and this battle is in the jerry conference we now are just doing one battle a day the winner from the previous battle will be announced on landsberg in the morning only so you got to listen to michael in the morning to hear what it is um it is time now for seed number two jerry is a cowboy baby I want to begin this week by addressing some of the reaction from the fake news media about Kid Rock playing at the All-Star Game. You're all soft as baby (laughs) And you're really starting to rattle Jerry's cage. But Jerry won't give you the satisfaction. Because as my boy Kid Rock would say, I'm a cowboy baby with the top let down and the sunshine shining. Cowboy baby. Jerry sees another lockout from a mile away. <laughs> That's singing. He's, Jerry's getting a little political there. I love it. That's seed number two taking on seed number three. This is for you, Edmonton. Jerry's poem for Shirelli. Mr. Peter Shirelli in Edmonton, I have a poem for you. It goes something like this. Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater, you're not winning the f- lottery and if by some miracle it happens i'll personally rip that franchise out of edmonton and ship it off to the worst city on earth that's right winnipeg you might have a second team starting next season oh that's not fair to winnipeg what did they do they just sit there quietly wondering why they don't get compared to Toronto in terms of having the best young talent in the NHL. And now they got Jerry on them. So a reminder, go to TSN, 1050.ca, click on Soundwords, vote for your favorite. It is Jerry is a Cowboy Baby or Jerry's Poem for Shirelli. Voting for the Sound War closes tomorrow, as I said, at 8 a.m. Listen to Landsberg in the morning for the Jerry Conference champion and the start of a new Elite Eight Sound Wars battle on TSN 1050. All right, so let's get to it. Um, for Cheers, like I love this idea that it is Gronk is actually himself going into the bar. Do we have the rest of the cast in it? Okay, like, I do have, we have Sam. Do I think I know who should play Sam in mm-hmm. a new Cheers. Yeah, David Ortiz. Okay, no, it but, but hold bar. up. But okay, so it's David Ortiz's bar. Yeah. Okay, it's not David Ortiz playing the role of Sam Mayday Malone. He could, okay, it's up to you. Are we going like are we going the actual players and people who would they be or are we talking they're playing the character cuz I could see like Gronk walking in and being the norm. So whether he's Norm or Gronk, he's the same guy. Yeah. He's got his chair, he's hitting back the beers. Everybody loves him. Never talks to the misses. Like that's Gronk. 
Right? It really is. Sam Malone, David Ortiz, legend. Everybody loves him. He's a nice guy. He's, you know, he's smooth. Yeah. Hey, by the way, put producer Ian Cunningham on the mic. I saw him walking in there. Give me his coach. Ian is, Ian, get on the mic for a second because Ian Cunningham is one one of the guys behind all the Sound War stuff. He's one of the masterminds behind it. We were discussing about uh, Friends. uh, um, Jennifer Aniston was talking about redoing Friends. That like she'd love to do a revival somewhere. Like, what TV show would we like to see brought back? I said Cheers. And then Joe Narsa, a rare moment of intelligence from him in terms of pop culture, said if you had Gronk playing the norm role. What are your thoughts? Um, it's not about Gronk. I'm going way back Cheers. It's got to be Gibby as coach. Love it. Love it. John Gibbons as Ernie Pantuso. That is a great suggestion by, oh, my God, that is so good. Nice job, Ian. And then suddenly John Gibbons could talk about how he led minor league baseball the amount of times he's been hit by a pitch. There's so much to get to with this. Because it goes back to the question, is Gronk playing Gronk or is Gronk playing Norm? Like, is David Ortiz play is that David Ortiz retired Red Sox now opening a bar? We can go both ways on this. Okay, we'll get into this in the 12 o'clock hour. Plus, I'm going to tell you why... What's happening with Urban Meyer in Ohio State reminds me so much of what happened with the Houston Astros and Roberto Osuna, plus Chris Schultz is going to join us, and why if tonight is not a success for the Argonauts, and there's an excellent chance it you know they'll lose to Ottawa because they made the switch at quarterback, James Franklin is on the bench, McLeod Bethel-Thompson is in, I'll tell you why there's a lot of pressure on Pop and Mark Tressman. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to get back into Urban Meyer. Chris Schultz is joining us, and we're going to continue this discussion on reviving the show Cheers and what athletes we want to see on that show. It's a packed second hour. That's all coming up on TSN 1050.